Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analyzing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapters 29, 30, and 31 of Divergent. So where we left off, she just flopped during a fear simulation. And so she was angry at herself. So she said, I'll go visit Caleb. She went to go visit Caleb at the Erudite sector and she just assumed she'd find him. And lo and behold, she did. She also met Janine, who is just a queen, an icon, a legend. Power moves Janine, really happy for her. And Triss is piecing together that Erudite are waging a war and they'll be using the Dauntless as their army. And she's shocked. She's like, what? Who would ever want us to be an army? And I'm like, you're the army faction. That's your role here, toots. And so we start chapter 29 with her just filling us in on how the abnegation do their initiation ceremony. She says it's a quiet affair. All the initiates for abnegation have to do is like 30 days of community service, and then they can become full members. And so then they just sit side by side on a bench while one of the older members reads the Abnegation Manifesto, which is a short paragraph about forgetting the self and the dangers of self-involvement. And then the older members wash the initiates' feet. Then they all share a meal, each person serving food to the person on his left. So a couple things going on there. Uh, All they have to do is 30 days of community service. So that's a piece of piss. That's a walk in a park. I thought they would have already been doing community service their whole lives. Like, isn't that the whole point of abnegation? But maybe they just start doing that when they're initiates? Unclear. So that's all they do. And then they sit on a bench, side by side on a bench. Uh, okay. That's exciting. And then they read a manifesto, which is a short paragraph. Now, excuse me, but I would have assumed that a manifesto would have to be longer than a short paragraph. Can we call a short paragraph a manifesto or is it more of like a motto? And the older members washing the feet. Yeah, I get that. That's like a Jesus thing. Sure, whatever. But they're serving the meal to the left. Everyone's serving a meal to their left. But like, I don't think they're sitting in a circle. She told me they're sitting side by side on a bench. So someone, some poor bastards on the end, not getting anyone serving him food, Where's the person on the other end? Life of Larry. Getting food, not having to serve it up. I mean, arrange your benches in a circle, perhaps. But we don't know if they do that or not. 
So it just, it solidifies for me that abnegation is the easiest group to get into, but the one you don't want to be into, unless you like pedicures. But yeah, so that's nice. You get your feet washed, but then every year after, you're washing some other kid's feet. So it really is a thankless faction. So she tells us the Dauntless, they do initiation differently. It's insanity and chaos, she says. She says there's people everywhere and most of them are inebriated by noon. And I'm like, oh, so we're at initiation already. Didn't she need to go through a fear simulation? How can we be graduating before the exams? Uh, And then she tells us that she saw someone fall off the path on the pit wall. (laughs) And it looks like he broke something, like broke his leg. Just a nice little touch. So yeah, people are falling off of these paths without the handrails. As I suspected, yes, they are taking a tumble. And she got a plate of food for lunch. And then she thought, oh, I'll go eat it in the dormitory. So she gets to the dormitory and then she's looking at her plate of food. And she's like, ah, after a closer look, I realized that I chose a plain chicken breast, a scoop of peas and a piece of brown bread. Abnegation food. And then she sighs. What? How do you not know what food you got? I assume Dauntless is buffet style. And she scooped up her own peas and bland chicken and brown bread. And then she gets to the room and she's like, what's this in front of me? Oh my God, it's abnegation food. What? Like, what, what? Why are you shocked by this? And she's like, well, this must prove that I'm abnegation. What? And then she's thinking about abnegation, probably thinking about their manifesto, which is a paragraph long. I'm not going to let that slide. And she's thinking about how she has to warn her family um, that the erudite are planning war. And she says, I don't know how I'm going to do it, but I'll find a way, but not today. She's like, nah, today I have to focus on what awaits me, which I'm guessing is the fear simulation. I think we'll get around to that eventually. She says she eats like a robot, (laughs) rotating from chicken to peas to bread and back again. Like, okay. Okay, great. You're eating. Isn't that how people eat? She thinks she's being robotic. I think you're just eating. And then after eating her bland chicken and peas and bread, you know, in turn, she has a nap. What? Why are we reading this? Why are we reading this? We're going to go into the simulation. Just start the chapter in the simulation. Did we need to know about you eating fucking chicken? So Christina wakes her up and she gets ready to go and do the fear simulation. And she's thinking, will the torture be over soon? Or can we actually ever forget our simulations? Will we ever sleep soundly again? with the memories of our fears in our heads? Or will we finally forget our fears today like we're supposed to? No, I think you are already aware of the fact that you're not going to forget your fears. That's what Tobias has been telling you. It's not about actually eliminating fear. It's uh, some bullshit. I don't don't understand it. But we know he's got fears, four of them. We know that other Lorraine or Loretta or Sandra D, whoever that other character was that I can't remember, we know that she had like seven fears. So yeah, you're not going to automatically forget your fears, Tris. So they go upstairs to the top of the pit, you know, the glass ceiling, which is also a floor. They're in that area and everyone's gathered around and they're watching what's going on on like big screens, but they can't see the fear simulation. They just see the person with like the VR goggles on and they're watching that person react to their fears, which is just pretty boring if you ask me, but apparently that's what they're all doing. And there's another screen that shows the initiate's heart rate. And then another screen on the right, which shows the time. Now, that's a lot of screens. You're telling me we couldn't have superimposed the heart rate 
and the time onto the same screen of the footage. We needed three separate screens. I mean, you could have at least merged the heart rate and the time screen, right? Like a bottom half and a top half maybe. But no, we're watching on three screens. And so then she goes into another room, which also has a screen, a, a fourth screen, which is similar to the other screen outside of that room. What? What? And a line of people are sitting in chairs in front of this screen and they have wires connected to their heads and blank eyes. So she thinks they're observing the simulation. So what, they're observing it on this screen, but we can't see it? They can only see it because they're plugged into it? Then why do we need the screen? Is the screen performative? What is going on? And then there's, oh God, this is silly. So then there's another line of chairs for the initiates to sit in while they wait their turn. But she says they're all occupied. So she's the last to enter. So she doesn't get a chair. What? They know how many initiates they have. Why would you not have enough chairs? Is there a chair shortage in Chicago? So Uriah's like, hey, sit on my lap if you want. No, Uriah, that's not the point. There should be enough chairs. It's not a surprise how many there are. In fact, there's less than there should be because a lot of people died and dropped out and committed suicide and, you know, etc., etc. But no, they don't have enough chairs. This is so infuriating. But she thinks, nah, I'm good. I don't want Tobias to see me sitting on someone else's lap. Ooh, okay. So then Tobias is saying, hey, transfers, the order in which you go through the final test was taken from your rankings as they stand. So Drew will go first and Triss will go last. So again with the reverse order. Why why do we keep doing this? So then they start going into the fear landscape one by one, Triss being the last one. So she gets to watch everything, which is just a handy narrative device. And she says, the fear landscapes are not interesting to watch from the outside. No fucking shit. Unless you're connected to the screen, you don't see the screen. She says she can see Drew moving, but she doesn't know what he's reacting to. So it's boring, but yet there's this whole crowd of people watching the three screens. So everyone starts going through their simulation. She's just like not even bothering to watch now. She's like, eh, whatever. I just have to focus and remember that I have the power to manipulate the simulations. I've practiced it before. It's like, yeah, you're probably going to do well. Even though you flopped it last time you went into a fear simulation, you just had the worst trip of your life. But now she's like, this is easy. I can do this. I can manipulate simulations. Well, apparently you can't. Even though that's a defining factor in you being divergent, apparently you can't manipulate the simulations every single time. But now she's feeling confident. And so then it's her turn. Eric shoots her up with a needle full of liquid. And he says, ready? And that's the end of the chapter. God, what a boring chapter. What a placeholder chapter. And again, blink and you'll miss it. Like four pages long. And yet last week we were reading a 30 page chapter. She she just keeps me on my toes. Oh, and chapter 30, she answers that question. She ended last chapter on a cliffhanger. Ready? Question mark. Chapter 30. I am ready. Like, oh, okay. She says, I step into the room armed not with a gun or a knife, but with a plan. (laughs) She said that Tobias told her that stage three is all about mental preparation. So you got to come in with a strategy and that's her plan. So we hit up her first fear. Grass rises from the concrete. There's wind. And she's like, oh, the birds are coming. I bet it's the birds. So the birds start swooping. Crows this time. I don't know if it changes, but it's crows. 
And she's like, I'm going to ignore the crows. So she bends down and she just starts stroking the grass. And she's like, this is about power and control. What combats powerlessness? Power. <laughs> what combats powerlessness? Power. Well, well, yes, I guess that is the opposite. I don't know. I don't know if you'd say it combats it. Like if someone said, oh, how do, how do I be more powerful? Would you just tell them get more power? I, I don't know if that's helpful, but no power combats powerlessness. So she's going to say, I felt powerful in the dauntless compound when I was holding a gun. So she just imagines holding a gun and she somehow conjures up a gun. She says, I feel something hard and metal in the grass, my gun. And so that's her feeling of the opposite of powerlessness. That's her feeling of power. Uh, I did, I, I, like, I know she said she couldn't manipulate the simulations, but I didn't know she could just like actively conjure items out of thin air. But all of a sudden that's a power that she has. And so she starts shooting all the birds with her fake imaginary gun. Also not a great gun control message in this book. The message is pretty clear. If you feel powerless, get a gun. So she's shooting birds. She's having fun with it. And because she's had fun and conquered that fear, we go into her next fear. And she's in that tank and she's drowning. And she's like, this is not about the water. It's about my inability to escape the tank. Well, yes, I think they're they're one in the same here. She's like, oh, it's not about the water and drowning. It's because I can't escape the tank. That's what I'm afraid of. It's a tank filled with water though. I I think they're linked. But she says, no, I just need to convince myself that I am strong enough to break the glass. So she just starts banging at the glass, but it doesn't work immediately. And she does freak out a little bit and she's banging and she's banging and it's not breaking. And so she, yeah, she's freaking out. She's like, I need to calm down. I just need to think of another option. And I was like, just conjure a gun again. How about that? But no, she visualizes that the glass is as thin as newly frozen ice. And she's like, the glass is ice, the glass is ice, the glass is ice. And so she just whacks the glass again. And now it's ice all of a sudden. And the ice cracks and the water spills out and she's fine. How how, how did she get this power? Like if the simulation was just about controlling your fear and lowering your heart rate and lowering your breathing, like that I get, that I get, that seems practical. But now she's visualizing and transmogifying (laughs) glass into ice. And that's how she's getting out of the simulation. How's that going to be useful for the future, Tris? You can't actually transfigure guns out of grass and transfigure glass into ice. Like this isn't a practical thing. It's like at school when they teach you algebra. I'm never going to use algebra. Teach me tax. I don't know if she's going to go into a real life situation and just be like, okay, I can do this. Where's my gun? And then just magically get a gun. It's not how the world works, Tris. And then we are in her next fear. She's in the middle of the ocean or something and she can't swim. And I guess because she's already in the water, she can't just turn the whole thing to ice because then she'll freeze. And so she's getting tossed. She's getting turned. She's basically drowning again. So this feels like a repeat of the last fear, but whatever. And she's being slammed against a rock in the ocean. So then she just grabs onto the rock and then she runs up the rock. And then that, that does the trick. I think Veronica Roth just ran out of ideas. She's just running up some random rock. Like, why couldn't you have just conjured up a jetpack? 
Conjure up a boat, an inflatable boat. Conjure, conjure up a life vest. Conjure up the door from Titanic that Rose kicked Jack off. Like, come up with something. But she's, she's, she's running up some sort of rock. And then the ocean disappears immediately because fear conquered. What if you're drowning and there's no rock nearby? Wouldn't that be a pickle? Oh, so then we cut to the next fear. It's actually quite a fun little fear. She is being burned alive at the stake. She's tied up at the stake. And all her little initiate friends, they are holding torches and they're cackling, getting ready to burn her at the stake like a witch. And Peter's leading the charge. And he puts his torch down, starts to catch fire. And she's thinking, oh, I faced this fear before. I don't need to struggle against the ropes. I just need to remember that this is a simulation and that it can't hurt me. But then, you know, she's starting to burn up. She's feeling heat. And Peter's like, you smell that stiff? That's the smell of your burning flesh. And she says, you know what I smell? And she builds it up. She builds it up. She says that. And then she tells us that her arms are twitching. Her voice is straining to be louder than the laughter. She's like, I won't struggle. I won't panic. I stare at Peter through the flames my blood boiling. And then she says, I smell rain. Like that's, that's the clap back. And she, she conjures rain. Yep. So she, she's now storm from X-Men and she's conjuring a new weather pattern to come and stop her from burning at the stake. Now it'd wanted to be heavy rain to put out a whole pyre, but yeah, sure. She smells rain and <sighs> that's that fear done but you're still going to be afraid of this because you can't actually conjure rain in real life. Like, what? Wh- so her next fear, she's in the, her bedroom in abnegation. And she's like, oh, this is different. I've never faced this fear before. The lights are all off, but one of her walls is covered with mirrors. And she's confused. She's like, what? We're not meant to have mirrors. And I guess the mirrors aren't important at all because then there's a window through the other wall and she looks out the window. And there's that man from the bus during her first simulation through the aptitude test, you know, when she was on the bus and he's like, do you know this person? And she's like, no. So she lied. So she couldn't be in candor, some bullshit like that. Anyway, he's disfigured. He's got like scars on his face, which apparently makes him a horrible person. So he's just like standing in her yard and that that's terrifying. That's her fear. What? And this has got nothing to do with the mirrors. Like what's going on here, Tris? What's going on in your subconscious? So she's backed up against the mirrors and then there's like banging on the windows. And so I guess this, this scarred guy has, has jumped up through the window or some shit. And now he's like coming towards her and she's like, oh no, he's coming to kill me. (laughs) And then she's got to remind herself that it's a simulation. Just conjure up a gun again. It worked for the birds. Why can't you just do that now? In fact, if all your fears are about you being powerless, just, just conjure up a gun for all of them. A gun's your solution for everything. Oh, and oh my God, I was just saying it facetiously, but she, she does conjure up a gun. <laughs> she just like goes into her closet and she tells herself where the weapon will be. She says to herself, it will be hanging against the right wall, just inches away from my hand. I'll just reach my hand in there and there'll be the gun. And, and she does. She just reaches her hand in there and she pulls out a gun. I don't know why we had to do the performativeness of reaching into the cupboard, et cetera, et cetera. Like just, just pull a gun out of thin air. That's what you're doing. So she's shooting everyone, but then she runs out of bullets and she's like, oh my God, I don't have enough bullets in my gun. I scream. 
She says, all these people are toppling into my bedroom. So I'm, I'm hiding in the closet. I'm shutting the closet door. I need to think of a solution. I need a solution. Bitch, just conjure up more bullets. Conjure up a bazooka. Conjure up a grenade. I need to think of a solution. What can I do? Just get another gun. And she says, I can't fight them off. I can't fight them off. So I need to calm down. And at one point she presses the gun to her head. And I was like, you know, there's no bullets in it. So you can't really shoot yourself. But she's like, yeah, I need to, I need to lower my heart rate. So then she sits down on the floor of a closet and just like tries to do some breathing exercises. And she lowers her heart rate that way. What's stopping you from getting another gun through the power of magic? But like that does the trick. She just mindfulnesses her way out of it. Ah, then we're in her next fear. God, this is repetitive. So we're in her next fear and Tobias is standing in front of her. And she's like, this is weird. I'm not afraid of Tobias. And then she looks around and behind her is a bed. (laughs) And she sees the bed and then she says, a bed, question mark. And it's like, yep, okay. That's exactly what you've just described to us. You don't need to second guess yourself. And then Tobias is walking towards her and smiling. And she's like, oh no. What's going on here? And then Tobias starts kissing her and she's like, what's going on? And then he starts zipping down her jacket. (laughs) Well, I say that, but really the sentence is much longer. His fingers find my jacket zipper and pull it down in one slow swipe until the zipper detaches. He tugs the jacket from my shoulders. Like what an elaborate way to say he unzipped your top. His fingers find my jacket zipper and pull it down in one slow swipe until the zipper detaches. (sighs) Yep, that's how zippers work. They just go zip and they're done. It's called a zipper because it's zippy. And yet she just dragged it out. She dragged it out. No zippiness about it. And she says, oh, is all I can think as he kisses me again. And then she says again, oh, it's like, yeah, you guys are going to bang. Uh, and I know you're enjoying it. You're like, oh, this is a bit of, bit of a fun simulation, but deep down you're afraid of intercourse. And she's realizing, she's like, oh, my fear is being with him. I didn't know how deep that wariness of affection went. And she's like, but you know what? This isn't really fear. It's more of just like a nervous panic rather than blind terror. Then why, then why are we doing this? Why is it in your simulation then? And she's like, I have no solutions. She says, I've been attacked by crows and men with grotesque faces. I've been set on fire. I have almost drowned twice. And this is what I can't cope with? A boy I like who wants to have sex with me? (laughs) What a predicament. And so she doesn't know how to face the fear. She's like, I don't know what to do. Just conjure up a condom, whack it on and get the job done. But then she says to the simulation, Tobias, I am not going to sleep with you in a hallucination, okay? And I bet the dauntless leaders, the instructors watching this are like, this is, this is a bit dicey. I don't know if they've ever seen a, a sex scene in, in their initiations so far. And so she just starts kissing him back and then she laughs about it. And then that's the fear over. She's conquered her fear because she kissed him and laughed about it. And I was like, ah. Oh. I feel like that was a cop out. I feel like they should have gone all the way. So she's working through her intimacy issues. She might still be afraid of drowning and birds and men with grotesque faces. 
But, you know, she's, she's getting through her intimacy issues. Good for her. And then she hears a trigger click and she feels a gun in her hand. And she's like, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm doing a fear simulation here. I'm not actually banging my boyfriend. And so her family are in the center of a room, her mother, father, brother, and a voice is saying, do it. And she says, the voice is hissing. It is female, but harsh. What? It is female, but harsh. Yeah. Female voices can be harsh. I don't know why she's like assuming that female voices can't be harsh. It's female, but harsh. And she says, it sounds like Janine. And she's becoming really good at recognizing Janine's voice. I'll give her that. Oh, and then there's a second gun, a second gun pointed at her head. And who's holding the gun? It's Janine. Wow. What, what a twist. What a twist. And Janine's saying, do it, do it, or I'll kill you. And she's like, oh, this is my worst fear that my family will die and I will be responsible. Well, no, Janine would be responsible. And even though all this time she's like, I'm in a simulation. Caleb's like, do it, Tris, do it. And she says, no, I can't. And she says her throat is so tight that it aches. And she's crying, blah, blah, blah. And then she's looking at her dad. And he's like, Tris, you have no other option. And then her mum's like, Tris, we love you. And she's like, shut up. I can't do it. I can't shoot them. It's like, what? Just conjure a trap door and let them fall down it. Conjure something else up. Shoot Janine. Maybe just shoot Janine. Like, what the fuck are you doing here? And she's like, it's okay. It's okay. They understand. They wouldn't want me to sacrifice myself for them. They aren't even real. This is all a simulation. Nada. Then she's like, I have no other option. I need to think, think. And she says, the urgency is making my heart race. Like, (sighs) and then she remembers what Tobias said about selflessness and bravery not being that different. And so then she turns and presses her head to the barrel of Janine's gun and says, shoot me instead. And then she hears a click and a bang. And that's the end of the chapter. Why couldn't you have just shot yourself then, Tris? Why'd you have to get Janine to do it? You had a gun. You had a gun, you're meant to shoot your family, just shoot yourself. And so that's the end of the chapter. I hear a click and a bang. And we know you're not really dead. Like, we know this is a simulation. Like, what the fuck? Like, how is there any tension here? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And so, yeah, we start the next chapter. And she says, the lights come on. I'm in the empty room. The simulation's over. And I'm thinking, wait a second. So kidnapping's not even a fear? She had that whole meltdown because she was in bloody Teresa's fear landscape. But what was her name? Serena, Serena Chacha. She was in Serena Chacha's fear landscape and she was getting kidnapped and she flipped out. She flopped. She couldn't get herself out of the simulation because she was that terrified. And now she's still in her own fear landscape and kidnapping doesn't even come into it. She's, she's fighting birds, which she said she's not even afraid of. And yet she's not being kidnapped, even though she was kidnapped and it's a trigger for her. Like, how did you not come up with that, Veronica? And see, so, yeah, everyone comes in and they're like, oh, congrats. And Eric says, congratulations. You have successfully completed your final evaluation. And she's like, okay, thanks. And he says, there's just one more thing before you can go and get ready for the welcoming banquet. So there's another banquet. So the, the cold chicken and peas and shitty bread that she ate beforehand, I guess that's not the banquet. That's nice to know. And then a chick with blue hair, she comes out and opens a black case and there's a syringe with a long needle. And she's like, what's that? And he says, we're injecting you with a tracking device that will be activated only if you are reported missing. Just a precaution, a liquid tracking device and a needle. They have great technology. Just fantastic technology. Could have just given it like a, like an iPhone with a find my friends feature activated or something a little less invasive. And she says, "Mm, how often do people go missing? even though she, she's pretty much got a hunch that people go missing all the time. And Eric's like, not often. This is a new development courtesy of the Erudite. We have been injecting every Dauntless throughout the day, and I assume all other factions will comply as soon as possible. Yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know about that, Eric. This seems fishy to me. How far can you go? The whole city's protected by a giant fence. And she's like, oh my God, I can't do this. I can't. Not if it's been developed by Janine. And she's like, but I can't refuse because he'll question my loyalty. So she's like, okay, yeah, shoot me up. And so he says, the banquet is in two hours. Your ranking among the other initiates, Dauntless Born included, will be announced then. I thought we were already mixing them in with the Dauntless Born, but whatever. And then the small crowd of unnamed people files out of the room, but Tobias lingers back. And he says, I heard a rumor that you only had seven obstacles to face, practically unheard of. And yeah, I don't know why they're not calling her seven now, but they're not. And she's like, you weren't watching the simulation, were you? And he said, only on the screens. So he like saw her reactions in real time. So I wonder what that looked like. Was she doing finger guns 
When she conjured up that imaginary gun, was she going like pew, pew, pew with like a little finger, finger shooters? I would love to see that. And he says, yeah, the Dauntless leaders watched, but they seemed impressed. And so someone, so someone told him that she had seven fears. Like a little birdie said, hey, she's only got seven fears, but they didn't, they didn't mention <laughs> that he was in one, that she, that she was banging him in one of her fears. Like I'd bring it up. I'd bring it up. If you're going to tell him one little tidbit, maybe bring up like, oh, hey, you had a starring role in her fear. Um, pretty sexy, by the way. Took a long time to unzip a jacket. But other than that, look at you go. So she's back in the big room of people. Some people are congratulating her, slapping her on the back, saying, nice finger guns. You did a great job. And so then they're walking down into the pit and she says to Tobias, so uh, what, did, what, did, what did they actually tell you about my fear landscape? Like, did anything come up? Like, you know, just like, just like anything, just like out of the ordinary, like anything random, like, you know. And he's like, no, they didn't, they didn't really tell me anything. And she's like, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, but like, you know, if it comes up, just like, <laughs> just like, you know, talk to me about it. And so then he invites her back to his room. He's like, if you don't want to go back to the dormitory, if you want some peace and quiet, maybe just like hang with me until the banquet. We've got two hours. And she's thinking, oh, I don't want to go back to the dormitory actually. Uh, And I don't want to be afraid of him. So she's like, yeah, let's go. And I think he was told. I think they said, hey, four, she's got the hots for you. And she clearly wants to bang you because she was just making out with you in a fear landscape. And he's probably thought, you know what? I'm going to seal the deal. So he invites her back. And we're in the room already and he's slipping off his shoes, which is again, an odd detail to tell us, but she's telling us this. And then he's offering a water, but she doesn't take it. And then he just starts like grazing her cheek, groping her face, putting his hands through her hair. And then he's full on kissing her. You know what? I would have said yes to the water, actually. I've just done a strenuous fear landscape. I had seven fears to overcome. Plus I've just walked all the way down, down the pit yeah, I will go a glass of water before I make out with you. I'd be feeling pretty dry. So I think she missed the opportunity there, but didn't stop him. They're making out. But then he actually pushes the jacket from her shoulders, which is, you know, just what he did in the simulation. And she starts to flinch. And then she's covering up her eyes and he's like, oh God, what is it? He's like, the simulation told me this was a done deal. What's going on? And she says, sometimes I wonder what's in it for you, this whatever it is. So she's deeply insecure. And he's like, what's in it for me? You're an idiot, Tris. Which is not the reaction you want when you're admitting your insecurities. What's in it for you? You're an idiot. (laughs) No, that's, that's, that's not really how you respond to someone that you're interested in and you want to make out with slash have sex with. And she's like, I'm not an idiot which is why I know that it's a little weird that of all the girls you could have chosen, you chose me. So if you're just looking for, um, you know, dot, 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 that, dot, dot, dot. And he's like, what, sex? You know, if that was all I wanted, you probably wouldn't be the first person I would go to. Again, maybe use your words a little better for, if I wanted sex, you wouldn't be the first person I'd go to. That's not something you say to your partner especially your partner who you're about to bang. Your partner who has insecurities, you're stoking those insecurities, dude. And she says, I feel like he just punched me in the stomach. (laughs) She's like, of course, of course he wouldn't come to me. I'm not the prettiest. I'm not the most desirable. And she's fighting off tears. Like, holy fuck. I thought you faced your fears upstairs, but apparently it got worse. And she goes to leave and he's like, no, don't. 
I didn't mean that. What I meant was that you aren't like that, which I knew when I met you. <laughs> what? Can, can you be a little more eloquent? Like, I get the vibe that he's just, like, not slut-shaming her and he's slut-shaming Christina or Holly Golightly or whoever that person is. I forgot her name. Was it, was it Shania? I think it was Shania, actually. So he's like, I'd just go hang out with Shania if I wanted a slut, but I don't. I wanted someone like you, which, which is its own can of worms, isn't it? Like this guy, he's, he's problematic. He is a problematic king. And she's probably thinking, shut up with your justifications. So she says, hey, you were an obstacle in my fear landscape. Did you know that? And then he's all hurt and he's like, what? You're afraid of me? And he's like, oh, getting really upset. And she's like, no, not you being with you, dot, 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 with anyone. Like we're getting a lot of dot, dot, dots here. And she's like, I've never been with anyone. You're older. I don't know, dot, dot, dot. And he says, Tris, I don't know what delusion you're operating under, but this is all new to me too. And she's like, you mean you haven't dot, dot, dot. Oh, oh, I just assumed dot, 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 because you know, dot, dot, dot. And he's like, well, you assumed wrong. And his cheeks are bright red and he's embarrassed. I mean, so you're both virgins. Great. Happy days. And then he says, you can tell me anything, you know, I am kinder than I seemed in training. I promise. And she's like, yeah, I believe him. <laughs> okay. And so then he kisses her between the eyebrows weird. And then on the tip of her nose, okay, also weird. I'm, I'm starting to really get virgin vibes from you. I, I think you're confirming your virgin status. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but when you got, when you got a willing and able girl right there and you're kissing the tip of her nose, like you had dad dropping her off at a school prom, like, yeah, that's, that's kind of creepy. I, 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 I don't really know if I'm getting sex vibes. And then he carefully fits his mouth to mine. Oh, horrible way to say kiss. You could have just said he kissed me, but no, he carefully fits his mouth to mine. Is he giving her CPR? He's going to start doing chest compressions or something. And she says, I want him to kiss me. I want him to. I am just afraid of where it might go. I, I thought he was kissing you. His mouth is carefully fit onto yours. What's he doing? Just Is he just breathing? What's he doing there? And then his fingers brush over her bandage and he's like, are you hurt? And she's like, nah, it's just another tattoo. I just wanted to keep it covered up. And he asks to see it. Like, oh, okay. So he peels back the bandage and it's the symbol of abnegation. We we know, we know. She made it out like it's a big reveal, but we we were there when you got the tattoo. And then he laughs and he says, I have the same one on my back. So he also has the symbol of abnegation, which yeah, okay, coincidence. I mean, you were both brought up in abnegation. Okay, sure. But he's like, oh my God, I have the same one. That's so crazy. And she's like, okay, let me see it. And he says, are you asking me to undress Tris? So then he unzips his sweatshirt. (laughs) Okay. A lot lot of unzipping. And it slides from his shoulders. (laughs) We know how getting undressed works. Oh, and then he's tossing his sweatshirt onto the desk chair, if you were interested. Oh, and then he grabs the hem of his t-shirt. And in one swift motion, he pulls it over his head. Okay. (laughs) Does she want to describe getting any other clothes off of his body, like in great detail. We already know he took his shoes off. Okay. And so he's all nervous. And he says, I don't invite many people to look at me. Any people actually. And she says, I can't imagine why. I mean, look at you. So she doesn't expect him to have his own insecurities. She just thinks he's hot. And so he should be getting his kid out. Boys can have body image issues too, Veronica. And then get this. He (laughs) doesn't, 
turn his back towards her. I guess he's still facing her. So she gets up and she walks around to see the tattoos on his back. (sighs) And she says, on his back is more ink than skin. And she says, the symbols of each faction are drawn there. So there's Dauntless at the top of the spine, then Abnegation, and then the other three going down his back. Um, so he's got all of the symbols. She had the symbol for abnegation and he was like, oh my God, I have the same one. Yeah, you have all of them. That's uh, it's certainly not a coincidence if you have all of them, but he's totally making it like they're on the same page. You've got all of them. You could be saying this to a candy girl on the side. You could be saying this to an erudite girl on the side. It's, uh, uh, it's, not, a co- it's not a coincidence. And she's like, wow, why the, why the fuck's he got the other three? The other three that have nothing to do with him. And he says, I think we've made a mistake. We've all started to put down the virtues of the other factions in the process of bolstering our own. And I don't want to do that. I want to be brave and selfless and smart and kind and honest. Yeah, well, congratulations, you're a normal person. Is he really the only person in this whole society that thinks like this? And then he says, I continually struggle with kindness which we've all gotten that impression, even though he did just tell her, I'm kinder than I was in training. So he's, he's already told her that he's a kind person, but now he's like, I struggle with kindness. Which is it then for? And then she's like, we have to warn the abnegation soon. You know that, right? And he's like, yeah, we will. When? When? We're heading towards the end of this book. When's that gonna happen? And he says, oh, is that scaring you, Tris? And she says, no, not really. I'm only afraid of, what I want. So she's just turned into a sex kitten all of a sudden. And he's like, oh yeah, what do you want? Me? And then she's slowly nodding. And then he nods too. I don't know what he's answering. He's nodding. And then he takes her hands and he guides her palms to his stomach. Okay. The erogenous zone of the stomach. And then he pushes her hands over his abdomen and over his chest and then holds them against his neck. So, okay, okay, sure. That's, uh, that's, I guess, how the kids are doing it these days. And he says, someday, if you still want me, we can, we can dot, dot, dot. And then she's smiling and she's like, ah, you're afraid of me too, aren't you, Tobias? And he says, I'm terrified. And God, this is dumb. She says, maybe you won't be in my fear landscape anymore, which I guess is her hinting at, hey, let's go and have sex or something. And he says, then everyone can call you six. What? And she says, four and six. Like, that's what people will call them. No, no, I'm sorry. It's not going to catch on. She says, we kiss again. And this time it feels familiar. I know exactly how we fit together. His arm around my waist, my hands on his chest. I thought they were on his neck, but okay. The pressure of his lips on mine, we have each other memorized. And that's the end of the chapter. Do they have each other memorized? They've made out like three times, three times. And one of them was a simulation, but uh, they've got, they've got each other memorized. And uh, how quickly she forgot about the trials of the abnegation and the war to come. (laughs) She, she really rejected that. He said, are you worried? And she said, no, I'm only focused on your hot little piece of body right in front of me. So she's got a one track mind. I don't know if we're led to believe that they're banging at this point. I'm, I'm going to assume they're banging until we hit next chapter. So, hey, let's, let's live in hope. But I can also imagine starting next chapter being like, 
we didn't bang. And I'm like, oh, okay. Anyway, uh, let me know your thoughts on how things are progressing or not progressing as they were. And I'll see you guys next week for the answer, hopefully to our question of do they bang or do they not bang? I'm betting that they don't bang. I I know I'm going to be let down. Anyway, I'll see you next week. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style.